to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. Our Father in heaven, we're going to ask you once again this week to feed our souls, uh, cause our minds and our hearts to be very open to whatever you would like to say to us through your word. And so thank you for the text that we use. Thank you for our Savior Jesus, for not only giving it, but giving his life. So make this come alive to us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For you that are new with us, every week have new people, a lot of new people, and glad you are here. We do series as a rule, and uh, in this series... I want you to be able to get caught up very, very quickly. So here's the best way I can do it. The series title is The Story. The story is the gospel. The gospel is good news. If you wanted to know the, uh, the design of this particular series, it's to basically answer four questions. And so I want to walk through these questions. The first two we've already covered in full. The first one is, what is the story? What is the gospel? If you want to know the gospel in a more complex defining of it, I would say it is, it is the work of Christ on, the behalf, on behalf of his people, both not just in his life, not just in his death, but also in his resurrection, his ascension, his reign now over the world. If you wanted to get into the gospel in every detail and be thorough, 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 uh, you, you just couldn't explore the depths of it because it's every aspect of everything God does on behalf of his people. That is the good news, what he does for us. But I love to have it in a more concise way that we can kind of get a handle and hold on to it. If you want to simplify it uh, down to very core, I like to think of it this way. The gospel is, one, we lost it all. Two, he, Jesus, did it all, and we, his followers, get it all. It's kind of an understanding. It, it really is the story of what he has done for us. Now, the second question that we've answered is, who needs the story? Religious people, particularly today, answer that incorrectly. Moral people answer it incorrectly, very often by saying, Oh, it is bad people who need the story. Jesus is going to come along and he is going to redefine sin. And in doing so, he is going to say, no, it's bad people and good people. We all need the story. We need it as moral religious people, religious moralists as I often call them, or prideful rebels. This is going to take us into the story that we're using our text of Luke 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there now as we continue to walk through these questions. But uh, it's the story of two sons. And these two sons, one is a prodigal, the younger brother, and the other is the elder brother. And these two represent two groups of people. The prideful rebel, the tax gatherers, and the sinners of the day. And then the elder brother, the scribes and the Pharisees, the good religious people. Now, the basic end of this, who needs the story, 
is that, well, both bad and good, but keep in mind the bad people, they're worse, but the good people are worse off. Both groups having, having to come home, and that's going to be the third. Who needs the story? Then who will embrace the story? Who will embrace the story of the gospel? Well, there was some wrong thinking, and Jesus is going to now try to redefine this thing called repentance because repentance was viewed as kind of, okay, I said it was wrong. I did something I shouldn't have done. It's breaking the rules. And Jesus is going to clarify, no, 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 it's not just breaking the rules. There's a much bigger issue, and that is leaving home. So when he asks who will embrace the story, the issue is not those, oh, it's those who confess that it's wrong. Oh, well, okay, maybe it's, it's confess we're wrong and be remorseful for what we've done. Well, that's true. But it actually are those who come home in addition. They come back home. We're going to learn who will come back home, and we'll underscore that again today. We started last week with who will embrace the story. We'll finish that today, and then the very end of the series will be addressing the question, what happens to those who embrace the story? Now, Jesus is going to use these parables. There are three parables. We're particularly focusing on the third. The first is the, the, lost, the lost sheep. The number two, the lost coin. And now the lost sons, where we're focusing our attention. I think it's really important to understand something about parables. You know, as we use parables, people are, have different ideas of what you can learn from parables. For instance, a, a man came up to me after the first service and gave great uh, thought uh, to what he said. You know, as I look at these parables and I see the three are put together, as you've mentioned, and, and I heard what you said this morning, which I'm about to say about parables, and he said, tell me this, am I appropriate to say that maybe the, the three parables are because the first one has to do with maybe employment, you, you, you leave the, the, the 99 and you come, you know, that's a dangerous thing and it has to do with part of your profession and maybe that's an important part of life and your work and, and, and then you lose your, your coin, which really is your, your possessions and then you get to the sons and those are your relationships and as he's trying to hit the three and I said, you know, if you were to ask me that question, I, I'm going to suggest that if, if we were to ask Jesus, Jesus, is that the intention that you had? to mention those three for those reasons, I think he'd say, no, I never had that on my mind. It wasn't part of what, so that's really not what he's teaching. But you know, the truth is that you can read a parable and a parable may be used like an example or an illustration that reminds us of truths in God's word that that parable was very useful just to do that. But it's not the intention of the teacher in using the parable, in this case, Jesus. You need to understand that parables have one overarching lesson that you're trying to learn from that parable. And I shared with this, with this uh, friend, I said, you know, really the overarching thing is that Jesus, God, the Father, actually, that the triune God, they rejoice and celebrate over the lost being found. That's the big point. It's, he just celebrates but a good hermeneutic, that's a term used in theological studies, but hermeneutic is a principle of interpreting the Bible. And keep in mind, we're looking for the big overarching, 
But then what we'll do is we'll see there are some things that we can learn from the parable that push us, maybe not in its tension, but we see in other scriptures. So we want to make sure that it really does coincide with what God's Word would say elsewhere. And we're going to see some things about repentance, even as we've seen about sin, as we finish this third question that we're addressing. Now, the story of the parable of the two sons, I think many of you know it, even if you're new with us. I've read it several times in the series, but it's the story of, a, of two sons, two brothers, the younger of which representing the tax gatherers and the sinners, the prideful rebel, goes to his dad and he says, Dad, give me my inheritance. I'm ready to control it fully. I'm ready to have my own. Let me go. And so the dad lets him go and he goes off and he squanders his possessions in loose living in a distant country, as it says. Then he realizes that he's lost everything. He has nothing. He can't even feed himself. And now he's, he's literally feeding swine to be able to, to just live. And he says, I'm eating what the swine are eating. Now, keep in mind, this is a Jewish person feeding swine. So that's not good. They're, I mean, this is as low as you can get. And then it says that he comes to his senses. And he says, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him what a terrible thing I've done. And I'm going to ask him, would you take me in even as one of your hired servants? Because they're eating better than I'm eating. And that's his plan. He comes home. He's in a distance. As he's coming, the father sees him. The father tells his, his people, hey, prepare a feast. Kill the fatted lamb. Put a robe on his back. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. And we're going to celebrate. And he rushes out and he kisses his son. You remember that kiss. We're going to close with the kiss. The elder brother. Now, he's been keeping all the laws of his dad, all the rules. Been a good boy. And he hears the celebration. What's going on? Well, your son, your brother has come home, and your father is celebrating his return. And here's what they're doing. And, boy, he's furious. The father comes talk to him and says, come on, son. Your brother has come home. That's good. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate. He said, I'm not coming in. He was angry, and he would not come in. That is, he would not go home. So, please don't interpret from this the sons. Okay, well, here's the parable, and it says that there's a son, therefore, he's a Christian. Both boys are Christians, and they leave home, and now they are coming back. No, based on who they're representing, Jesus, in the context, is saying, here are two expressions of being lost, and the celebration of all heaven. God himself, when his lost come home. Now, last week we looked at number one. I'm not going to even comment on this. We'll go straight to two, but this is what we covered last week. When one repents, one wills to stop running from God in an effort to control his or her own life. This week we look at number two. When coming to our senses, as the text says, one wills to stop searching for a home away from home. Luke 15, we want to look at 17 through 19. We're just going to kind of laser in there for a few minutes. And this is what it says. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men 
have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I'll get up, go to my father, will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Now here's the first question, what is home? Please know this, home is not a place. Keep in mind you have two boys here. They're in different places. And so it's not a place. I want you to think of home as a relationship. Home is where one would say, I belong and I'm accepted. I bet you there's a, a, a good number, a, a fairly decent percent of people here who when you talk about going home, you're often talking about going back to where your parents live. If you're young, that w might well be the case. I'm going home. Or you may be established your home now here and it's been here long enough and you think I'm going home when I'm going to the place where I reside. But you see, home in reality is the place where we belong and are accepted. And so there would be some of us that would say, I'm going home, referring to our place of origin with our family, and we get so excited, we're going home. Why is that? Because it's a place of memory of where you were accepted, where you felt you belonged. It just felt right to be there. That's your home. Other people can go to the same location, meaning the place of residence where parents and siblings lived and the hometown and so forth, and you go home, and there's something that happens where you just hate the very thought of going home. And it has to do, not because of the circumstances of how much you had and this, that. It had to do with you didn't feel like you belonged there. You didn't feel accepted. People go home to their reunion, to their high school, and some dread the thought of having to do that. I didn't feel I belonged. I didn't feel I was accepted in my high school. Other people say, I can't wait to get back because that's just a memory of a place that I belonged. I was accepted. I had all these wonderful friends. Can't wait to get back. Just remember, it's a place of relationship. We call it home. Henry Nouwen. He says this way, he says, home is the center of my being where I can hear the voice saying, you are my beloved with whom I am well pleased. If I go to the world, I run around asking, do you love me? So every time that you or I search for unconditional love where it cannot be found, wherever that might be, we are away from home. Now, in our text, we read that he was eating husks. I want that to kind of indelibly imprint, particularly our young people here, eating husks. That's the story of what every one of us do, whether we're younger brother or elder brother. When we leave home, what we're doing, we're eating husks. What a sad picture to see people satisfying the hunger of their soul by gratifying their appetites, going out just looking, what is it that might satisfy, oh, that career, oh, that person, this relationship, oh, this will do it, that'll do it, this will do it, that'll do it, 
And there we go. We're a picture of society today of a, a group of hungry people, starving people. And what we're doing is we're going from literally garbage heap to garbage heap. We go from toy to toy. We go fix to fix. We go relationship to relationship. And we're saying, boy, that'll do it right there. If I, if I can just get it, got it. Oh, I love it. Love, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Uh oh, oh I got to have that. There, there it is. If I can get it. Oh, but, uh, oh it was good, but, but now it's gone. If you've read the story of glory, you've heard me teach the story of glory. Why does that resonate so well with people? Because everybody knows it's all of our story. We're searching for something that we just think is going to satisfy, but it doesn't. That's what it means leaving home. It's in a search for something to satisfy that was never intended to do so. Young people, I want you to remember as you leave home, and I mean leave relationship with your father, and I'm talking about your heavenly father. You go off to college and you say, man, is that attractive. If I participate in that, if I succumb to that, which I've always said no to, I'm going to really be satisfied. Would you always remember husks? You remember this, you remember this young son and realize that is the story of everyone. It is for sure that when we take license to go away from home, license always ends in bondage. Always. Don't buy the lie. Stand beyond them and say, I know truth, and truth says no. Hold to the truth, and you're set free. Remember the young son, never forgetting. We read in the text that he came to his senses. He came to his senses. He came to realize that, no, there's only one place that's home. And so for many of us, that's what we have to do every day is come to our senses. See, I want you to understand, it's not that you and I, you know, we're in home and we're at home all day, every day in relationship with God, our clothes, we're, we're perfectly at home. And then, oh, every once in a while we step out of the home. No. Do you realize that every single time we sin, which is all the time, day in, day out, we're constantly sinning, that as we're doing so, we're literally stepping out of the home. And some of us are stepping out very close to home because, I mean, my goodness, what are we doing? We're worrying. It's not that big a deal. When we give ourselves to worry and say, I'm not going to deal with worry, I'm just going to worry. We're saying, I'm, I'm accepting to live outside the home and not, not to go back to his provision and his love and to believe that he will take care of me. You see, every time that you and I say, oh, okay, you know, I, if, if I'm going to really... If I'm going to find what I'm really looking for in life, I've got to make a lot of money. I've got to have money. I've got to believe in money. Look what money will do for me. When we begin to think like that, we're stepping outside of the home. We're back in control like we talked about last week. And, and what we're saying is, I really think I can find satisfaction without having to totally just depend on the love of God. I can find my satisfaction there. There are those of us that have left home and we're saying, I, I, I got to go find, 
I got to go find a better marriage because my marriage is just not good and I can't be satisfied without a better marriage. I can't be satisfied without being married. I can't be satisfied without children. I can't be satisfied unless I can change my children. I can't be satisfied unless I get a lower handicap. Let's forget that one. Uh, whatever it is, I'm telling you, it's anything that we say, I've got to get that. That's what's going to satisfy. And you see, the truth of it is, we don't see the sin every day. That's why for some of us, oh, the, the rebel, oh, the rebel, he doesn't have to say, search me, God, and show me my ways. I see my ways. I, I'm in famine. I know it. I got it. But there are many of us that step so close out of the home, and we're still out. You're either in or you're out, and you step out in sin, and we think, well, I'm pretty close, so it's not that bad. Sometimes we don't even see it, and that's when we have to say, oh, Lord, I keep bringing this passage up. Psalmist, David, Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And show me and see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. It's like we have to say, God, where am I outside the home? And, and then God says, here's where you're outside of the home. You're worrying every day and you're not even thinking about how you're just in a pattern of worry. That's not trusting in me. Come home. Just come home. If any of these things, any other things come to mind that you think, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm looking for that for satisfaction. That's when we've left home. And what do we have to do? We have to repent. And repent means coming home. Here's how the parable puts it. The young son says in verse 18, I have sinned against heaven. In verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, that's good. That's good when we can see how unworthy we are. Now, let me put that, though, in context. Take parenting, for instance. Parents, a great way to mess up kids really badly is just to focus on how messed up they are. Do you know you're a depraved child? Do you know there's no good within you? Do you know that you're wretched? Let me tell you, there's truth to all that. How we do it is one thing. But even just that message alone, look, look, unworthy, 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 destroy a kid. On the other side, there's our dignity. Are we depraved? Yes. On the other side, boy, are we not designed with dignity that we hold on through? through all of life simply because we're in the image of God. You take those two and you put them up together and say, unworthy, yes. Use whatever words can relate to children to see we have no worthiness in ourselves. But let me tell you, you're in the design of God. You are literally reflecting His image. And you are a human being that reflects it. You're not a dog. You're not a cat. And he loves his creation, all of his creation. But this is the ultimate because you're in the image of God. You have dignity, son. Sweetheart, you have dignity. But you know what? We're also unworthy. And you put those two together. What a strong combination 
to bring health into the understanding of a person of who they are and who God is. Very important to understand that we are unworthy. At the same time, we don't want to come in to the understanding of the Father, even in this story. You know, I, I can't help but believe if I were to read into the story, maybe not what he even, in, God intended, Jesus meant to have put in there, but I, I can just picture the, the son kind of approaching the father in, in a shame and his head turned and, and father, um, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry what I've done. You know, I, I, I just, if you were like a hired hand. And no. See, he didn't understand in this story he didn't understand fully because of the fact that he's saying, I, I just want maybe to come home as a hired hand. There's not a way in this world the Father, our Heavenly Father, would allow us to come into his presence as a hired hand. He said, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the way it works. Come here, son. <clears throat> and there's the hug. And then there's a kiss. Last week, I tried to make it very clear that if we think that the hug and the kiss comes because, well, I came home and I admitted my unworthiness and that's been what it took and therefore I, is that a part of coming home? Sure, it's a part of coming home. But let me tell you, I don't get the hug and the kiss because I chose to come home. I choose to come home because I believe in the love of the Father. Maybe in this case, not enough to assume that maybe, maybe he's going to chastise me and give me that lower position. He didn't understand. No, not this father. In the parable, the father says, let's celebrate your home. That's what I'm all about, you coming home. That's why there's three parables back to back to back. Man, this is how I'm, I want you folks to know, man, I celebrate when you come home. When you come home, even as my child, and you drift away and you come home, I celebrate you coming home. If you're my creation and you've, you, you've left me, you've never been mine, and you, and, and you come home, I know why you've come home. You've come home because you believe in my love. Do you understand that? We won't come home without believing in his love. Believing in his love, we will come home. It has to do with his love. So I gave scriptures... Uh, you know, we did not choose him, but he chose us. We, we love him because he first loved us, because he found place to give repentance to our hearts. See, it's all. We lost it all. He did it all, and we get it all. It's not my part is my repentance, and if I do that now, I've kind of earned a No, 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 no. It's because somehow I understood the love of the Father. Where do you see that love of the Father? You see it at the cross. That's why every week, if you hear a good sermon from anybody, they have pushed you to the cross. Because if you don't see the love of the Father, and okay, this is your duty, you've got to do this, and here's what you can do to make you better, and here's what you can do, and do this, and do this, and do this, and do this. Now go do it. You can do it. You're God's people. Go do it. No, no, no. We've got to see the love. That's what draws us is His great love. Even while we're in the deepest of sin. Because it's a place of acceptance. It's a place of belonging. We've got to understand that. You've got to see the love of the Father. That's why you go to the cross. Close with this. You that have gone through the membership process have heard me tell the story of my family. And my father who deserted our family. And 
when I was in just a little kid, man, all I remembered from my dad, it was hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses, hugs and kisses. And I loved it as a kid. Kids love that. They may pretend they don't, but they do. I kind of pretended when I got to high school that I didn't. I can remember the first week when, after a game, when I'm in high school and everybody finishes in the dressing room and the families are out there waiting and dads are giving high fives or giving a, you know, a good side hug or giving a, maybe in a good hug embrace and that's okay. Not me. I walk out, I'm like, dad, stop, 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 stop. I learned after one time, don't go out till everybody is gone. So I would literally, I'd hang out and I'd be trying, like I'm fixing this and trying to do this and I'm taking my time. Everybody's gone to good. Everybody be left. And I'd go out and my dad can kiss on me, I, you know. And I'd go, oh, I wish he wouldn't do that, but I loved it. I loved it. Now my dad left a note. Many of you know, he left a note and he said, I'm gone forever. It was just a shock of all shocks. And he kept that word for the rest of his life. I did have a little contact with him, primarily by phone, a couple times in person, but it was never, it never I never had the, a close relationship. He, he left and he left. That was it for the rest of my life, until he died. Do you know, I never, I never, ever, ever thought that my dad quit loving me. I can never explain his actions. How do you desert a child? How do you do that without not loving? But you know what? I can't believe that. You know why? The kiss of the Father. I've been kissed so much. I don't understand why. I'll never understand. And that's a sinful action. I'll never understand it. But I know this. When we're talking about the Heavenly Father, we're talking about a perfect Father. And he's the one that's kissing and kissing and kissing and kissing. And you know when you've been kissed by the Father. And then we see what our Father in his sovereignty does. He allows our child to die. He allows my best friend to have cancer. He allows my spouse to be unfaithful. He allows me to get cancer. He allows, let me tell you, people who don't know the kiss of the Father, it's going to be, what's he doing? Why is he doing that? How come he, I don't get it. But let me tell you, even though we don't understand it, when you've been kissed by the Father, and you've been kissed enough by the Father, you've seen the cross clearly enough, what he's done, you know, you say, I don't get it, but I trust him. I don't really understand, but I know this. It's not because he doesn't love me. I know he loves me. That's what coming home is. It's seeing the kiss of the Father on Calvary's cross and saying, why wouldn't I trust him with everything? God, forgive me. I've been straying. I've been looking. I've been trying to get it here, there. Uh-uh. Let me just find your love to be enough. That's what coming home is. He redefines repentance. Would you come home, whether you're a prideful rebel or whether you're a religious moralist, come on home.
It's a great place. Nothing better to be kissed by the Father. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so very thankful. Thankful for the kiss of Calvary's cross. Thanks that you take us back every time. Father, we're thankful that it's not based on what we've done, but what you've done. Clothe us in your righteousness through your son's death. Lord, I pray that there would be a lot of us right now that would just simply say, I give up. This is not working. And so many of us that are out there right now and there's just, there's no famine and I'm spending the inheritance and the inheritance of my career is so good and the inheritance of my, of my health is so good and it's just there's so much inheritance now to spend and enjoy but oh God let us have the wisdom and insight particularly our young people to know that that inheritance is going to end and famine is coming for all of us would you make that so clear to us that we would in light of that and seeing the seeing your love at Calvary's cross that we would just come on home right now and we would say I'm sorry I'm unworthy but your son's worthiness has been given to my account and for that I say thank you coming home would you grant that we pray right now grant it in our hearts and we ask it in the name of Christ our Savior Amen You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.